0: Well, what's going on, Exchange? How we doing tonight? Thank you, man, thank you. Super glad that you are here. My name is Mark, like Pastor Hal said. Uh, I help lead the Exchange Ministry here at Grace Family Church. We're super glad you're here, especially if it's your first time joining us. We love you, we're glad you're here. Yeah, we can give it up for all of our first time family. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Super, super glad you're here. We wanna say welcome back to everybody. We know it was spring break some of you look a little tired like you're recovering um, we're not gonna say what you're recovering from I'll let you fill in the blank uh, but it could be worse you could probably be the person that made the news on Clearwater Beach right figured it was a great idea to escape from the back of a cop car uh, being completely handcuffed but he had great form right he had great form we learned that he had great form Uh, But man, it's so good to be back. Last week, we had social night, which was incredible. Shout out to you guys who made it to social. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, if you missed out on social, we want to encourage you guys to join us next time. We hung out at the Armature Works. It was a great night, a really good time of fellowship. But man, the week before that, Pastor Brian Todd came and he brought a word. Pastor Brian spoke on James chapter one, and it was all about trials, how trials are formative in our life. And if you missed out on that message, I, I want to really get this to you. I want to make sure you get an opportunity to listen to it. If you didn't know, we have a, a podcast. We want to make sure you check out our podcast if you missed it. It's going to help you journey through the book of James as we take a couple more weeks looking at this book. And today we're going to be continuing in this series. And I, I think, man, what Pastor Howell said about James is so true him being the half brother of Jesus. Like, he's a gangster, he's a thug. He just says it how it is. He doesn't hold back. And James, in the book of James, he's speaking to some Christians. He's speaking to a group of believers that were facing some trials, some obstacles, and they were scattered, the Bible tells us. And he's literally telling them how to continue in their Christian living and live a life that's blessed despite what they're facing. He's very direct. He's very clear. He's very intentional with each and every word. That he says, I'm gonna start here. How many of you had a New Year's resolution? Come January, you made a New Year's resolution? Yep, yeah, you're not gonna raise your hand because you know you have already failed. Um, it's okay. I'm in the boat with you. But uh, I started this uh, New Year's resolution back in January. The notorious New Year's resolution was this uh, to be consistent in going to the gym. Same old like every year of my life, right? Be consistent in going to the gym. We're all striving for that. Matter of fact, right now, go ahead and yell out your New Year's resolution. This is a safe place. Yell it out. And if you didn't have one, that means you probably don't have a lot of vision for your life. So we're going to work and we're going to pray on that. Hey, I I read the book of James and he gets straight to it. I'm trying my best to live out what I'm reading about. So I'm just going to say how it is. But since you didn't have a New Year's resolution, let me tell you a little bit about mine. Mine was to go to the gym consistently. To go to the gym consistently. We've all set that goal in our lives before. And here's the thing, a little backstory on this is, uh, I went to Florida International University, I played football there, pretty much played football my whole life. And my undergraduate degree in college was in kinesiology, study of exercise sciences. What kinesiology is all about, it's literally physical exercise, to put it simply. So here I am now, and uh, I'm in the month of March, and I'm thinking about it. I'm like, I studied kinesiology. I read all the books, heard all of the lectures on the importance and the benefits to physical exercise, heard all the lectures. I heard all the talks. I did all the exams. I took all the tests. I did it all. But here I am, fast forward several years later, I'm struggling to do. I'm struggling to do. And that's exactly what James is talking about in this book, that we could read, we could hear, we could know, but sometimes it's hard for us to do. Sometimes it's hard for us to do. How many of you know the hardest part about doing something is doing something, right? <laughs> so simply, it's, it's hard to start doing something sometimes. And James says this, in verse 22, he says, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says, otherwise you are only fooling yourselves. Mind you, he doesn't say you're fooling others. He says you are fooling yourself. And like Pastor Howell said, James is the type of guy that's a little abrasive, a little brass, gets straight to the point. He's the type of guy that I would probably want to square up with. Straight up. He's the type of guy like we we throw in hands. Anybody have that friend that just says it how it is? Doesn't care about yeah, you tapping each other you low lucky don't want to raise your hand because it's the person right next to you. Just don't square up here. We're at church. Be on your best behavior. But that's pretty much James. Like James is just saying it how it is to this group of Christians. He does not hold anything back. No fluff. There's no safety net with James. He's just getting straight to it. But I think it's important that we all acknowledge some of us need, in fact, all of us, myself included, we sometimes need a James in our life. Somebody just to say it how it is. We can't despise those people. And I love what James says here in verse 23. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, you walk away and you forget what you look like. I love this illustration. And when James says this, and I'm literally thinking about looking at a mirror, he's very intentional with the words that he used because he says, you glance at a mirror. You just glance, like you quickly look in the mirror. And James is making he's creating an analogy here. He's saying, the mirror is just like the word of God. So when you look into the word of God, is your life reflecting what you see? Is your life reflecting what you read? You see, and, and he says this, he says this which is so good. When you look, don't be a fool and just stop there and walk away and forget what you look like. You see, looking in a mirror is a call to action. When you look at the mirror can't brush your hair for you. <laughs> like the mirror can't pluck the lettuce out your teeth for you. Looking into a mirror is a call to action. Well, let me tell you, so is looking at God's word. So is looking at God's word. He's saying it's a call to action. Don't just look in the mirror or peek at the mirror. No, look intently. Look intently, look deeply into the word of God. And it's a call to action. In both cases, he's saying merely looking isn't enough. You have to act. Just don't see the need. Don't just see the need and disregard it. Take action. Don't just see an area of improvement and don't address it. Don't see the sin and ignore it. Address it. And as I realized I was reading James, I'm like, this sounds super familiar. Because James is literally just saying what Jesus has already said. That's what this whole book is about. James, the half brother of Jesus, he's literally reiterating what Jesus has already said. And we see pretty much the same premise in Matthew chapter seven. Jesus is giving a very important sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And as he's speaking to a group of people, he's probably one of his most important and most famous well-known sermons. He tells them pretty much the same thing. He says this in Matthew chapter seven. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the rivers rose, a storm came, yet it didn't collapse because its foundation was on the rock. And that's a reference to God's word. Then he continues to say this in verse 26, but everyone who hears these words of mine and doesn't act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the rivers rose, a storm came, And it collapsed with a great crash. You see, God's saying here, he doesn't just want more fans. He wants doers of his word. God doesn't really, Jesus doesn't just want fans. He he wants people that actively live out his word. So why does God want us not only to be hearers of the word, but doers? Why does God want us to build our life on his word? Because it leads to our greatest blessing. It leads us to the plan and the purpose that he holds for us. It leads to the good and pleasing will that he holds for us. I don't know what your relationship with Jesus is like. I don't even know, maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. We're super, super glad you're here, but I want you to know this. God has created you with a plan, a purpose, and a will. And the easiest way to get to it is by looking deeply into his word and seeing what he has to say about you. Maybe you're in this season of life and you, you're, you're struggling to believe that. I want you to know Jeremiah 29, 11 says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, plans for a future and a hope. He has that for you. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, it tells us that we were created to do good works for him. You have a plan and a purpose on your life you have a plan and a purpose on your life and the easiest way the best way the most safe way to find out is by looking intently into his word don't just glance but look and most importantly respond by doing what you see don't just be hearers be doers of the word you see I I love this because I I think this is so true just as God calls us his children he calls you his son and his daughter any good parent they have a plan and a purpose for their child Any good parent has a plan and a purpose for their child. God has a plan and a purpose for your life, and his word proves that to you. You see, it's a wise person, the Bible tells us, that succeeds, not because they know a lot, but because they live out what they do know. It's a wise person that succeeds, not because they know a lot, but because they take action and live out what they have learned about. That's that's the truth of it. I, I can't say it. Any more clear, God is literally calling us not to just be hearers, but be doers of his word. You see, the scripture says the wise person builds their life on what? The rock. The rock is his word. The rock is Jesus. It's building our lives on him. But we would probably be a fool if we just ignored what we see. We'd probably be a fool if we just didn't follow it with action. I remember when Michelle and I, we lived in uh, Miami and uh, one night... And Michelle is like, this is in the middle of the night. It's probably about four o'clock in the morning. We're sleeping. I'm knocked out. And Michelle's probably going to hate me for saying this. Um, pretty much in our house, Michelle's like narcoleptic. Like she falls asleep, she's done. Sorry, babe. Sorry. So Michelle, like, falls asleep. And here comes one night. And it's about four o'clock. I'm sleeping. I'm knocked out in bed. And I feel Michelle just like jabbing me. Like, babe, babe, wake up. I'm like, just the, I'm not a bad husband. I love my wife, I promise. I'm like, go away. You know, like, go away. And she's like, babe, wake up. I'm like ignoring her. Like I'm sleeping knocked out at this point. She's probably like wanting to check my pulse. And I'm just like, hey, go to sleep. It's 4 o'clock in the morning. And she goes, babe, it sounds like someone's breaking into our house. I'm like go to sleep Michelle she hits me again I'm like what Michelle oh and she's like holding a chancleta like a slipper in her hand like how's that gonna stop somebody that's trying to break into our crib So I see this chancleta, this sandal, this slipper. I'm sorry, I'm from Miami. I'm married to Colombian, so I'm trying my best. Anyways, I see this slipper in her hand, and I'm like, girl, you you playing a game with me? She's like, babe, it sounds like someone's going to break into the house. So I'm the husband, and I'm like, whatever. But then I hear it, and I'm like, oh, snap. So I grab something that wasn't a slipper. Uh, Did I just say that? I, I said that, sorry. Anyways, uh. So I grab something that wasn't a slipper and I go downstairs and I look out the window and I see it's like a brawl, like in front of our house. Like people are fighting in front of our house. It's four o'clock in the morning and she's like, go do something. What do you want me to do? Jump in? Like, what am I gonna do about that, Michelle? But I'm sharing this story because I think it's so funny because if I just slept through it and I never got up and took action, not only would you call me a fool, like James is saying, you'd probably call me a moron. And I think so many of us in this room, we need to follow that order that James is putting down to get up, to stop sleeping and take some action in our walk with Jesus. You see the Christian journey isn't just about hearing and reading and seeing and listening. It's about doing and putting into putting what we believe into action. Putting what we believe into action. You see God wants us to build our lives on his word. We need to live lives that reflect his word. You see God doesn't say stop stop read. Have your devotional time in the morning with your Cup of coffee, put your Bible up, pray for the course of your day, and move forward. No, he says, literally, allow the word to read you and then put that into action. Allow the word to tell you what areas in your life you need to change, what areas in your life you need to give over to Jesus, and let that thing move you to action. And I know you're probably thinking right now, why would I want to live my life? by rules, by regulations, by all of these different things that I see in the Bible. Like, that's exactly why I moved out of my parents' house, Mark. <laughs> that's exactly why I left my, my parents' house. And I, I want you to know, I was tired of rules one time too. But it's important we understand, Jesus, he doesn't give us, God doesn't give us rules to restrict us, he gives us rules to protect us. It's not about restrictions, it's about protection. He knows as a good father, what is best for you. But the question is, are you going to not only just read it, not only just hear it in a sermon, but are you going to do it? You see, the truth is this, he gives us commands to protect us. And I want you to get this down. A person with faith, so simply, a person with faith strives to follow God's commands. A person with faith strives to follow God's commands. I want to be very intentional. I use that word strive. I want to be very, very intentional. I use that word strive because some of us in this room, maybe we are following Jesus, we've been walking with Jesus or tried the whole Jesus thing, but we've been discouraged because we've fallen short. We've been discouraged and we feel disqualified because we weren't able to uphold all of these commands. We feel like we're not good enough to be in a relationship with Jesus. No, if you think that. I wanna just dispel that right now because Jesus isn't about religion. He's about a relationship. And the relationship is found only with him and he extends this thing called grace to you. And the fact that he loves you, unearned favor of God, despite what you do, it can't change his love for you. You see, religion is all about behavior modification. A relationship with Jesus is about life transformation. He's not worried about you getting it right. He's not worried about your sin of today because he already paid the price for you. Why? Because he's a good father and he loves you. He loves you. A relationship with Jesus isn't about behavior modification. It's about life transformation. And that leads us to the good news. It leads us to the good news that all of us We all sin, we all fall short, we all miss the mark, but thank God for his goodness and his love for us that while we were still sinners, the Bible tells us he sent his son to die, not only for our sin of today, our sin for yesterday, but our sins for the future. That's the good news, that's the gospel. That's the gospel, that's the truth that we believe. And if we wanna be doers and live God's word, we've gotta strive to follow and obey his commands. And second thing I want you to get is this, a person with faith, A person with faith lives out the good news. A person with faith lives out the good news. The good news is the gospel. And like I said, maybe it's your first time here at church. Maybe it's your first time being, we are so glad you are here. Maybe you never heard about this thing called the good news or the gospel. Let me tell you why it's good news. Because thousands of years ago, God was thinking about you. He knew your name. He knew your story. He knew your end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. And what he did was, despite all of your sin, you had this thing that's called sin. It separates us from God. It disqualified us at one point from being in a relationship with God. And God didn't wanna just stop and see you where you are, no. Instead, he sent his one and only perfect son down to the earth in the form of a baby. He lived this perfect life, a life without sin, a life without stain. And he thought about you because he took a cross and died for each and every one of your sins. Your sins of yesterday, your sin of today, your sin for tomorrow, your sin for next week, your sin of the future. He died with you in mind. And what I'm saying is we need to live out the good news of Jesus. If we want to be doers of God's word, we've got to live out the good news of the gospel. How do we do that? We forgive others just as we have been forgiven. We have compassion on others just as compassion has been shown to us. We serve others just as we have been served. We love others because we have been loved by God. You see, the good news, the gospel, should change the way not only we think, but the way we live. Should change the way we think about God. It should change the way we think about what we read in the Bible. It's not about rules and regulations, policies, restrictions. It is about a relationship that is meant to set you free. You see, in James chapter one, if you read it in the NIV in 22 through 25, he refers when we look into the law of liberty, you think about a law like that's an oxymoron. That doesn't make sense. How does a law lead to freedom? See, he protects you so you could have freedom, not only here on earth, but also in eternity. I'm sorry, I'm I'm teaching a little bit because I really do think this is the thing that will transform and change your, your life change the way you think about Jesus, change the way you read the Bible if you understand this truth. You see, a doer of God's word reflects the good news. It's the good news that leads us to live differently. It's the good news that leads us to change the way we think about God. It's the good news that changes the way we read our Bibles and approach God. And I wanna be real. I wanna be very real. Because I think some of us hear all of this and we're like, man, this sounds great, this sounds awesome. But I can't uphold any of this. I can't uphold any of this. I want you to know this. I remember when uh, Michelle and I, we were doing pre-married, uh, premarital and we we're doing premarital counseling. We were getting ready to get married. We we're a couple months out. And I remember we were leaving premarital counseling. I was a youth pastor at the time in Miami and we were getting ready to drive to church because I had to speak that evening. And we're in the car, we're headed to church to get ready. And I remember we stopped at a stoplight and I see this homeless man sitting on the corner at a gas station, he had two dogs with him. And this homeless man, you could tell he was famished, he was tired, he was hungry, he looked beat up, he looked worn out. And I remember Michelle looks at me and she goes, babe, you have, you have a couple dollars we could give him? And I remember I had a, a, a protein bar in my center console and Michelle looks at me like, can we just give him the protein bar and a couple dollars? And I looked at Michelle with no explanation, I said no. I said, no. And the light turned green. we go on our way. But I remember I was driving and I started reflecting on that moment. I started feeling so convicted. And best believe the next week she told the counselor everything and he killed me in our premarital session. It all came out. But I really started to, to think like, man, here I am, a pastor getting ready to preach the gospel, share the word of God. And I'm not willing to just give freely to someone or serve someone or have compassion on someone else. You see, we won't always get it right. And it was in that moment I realized the church needs less people committed to listening to a sermon and more people committed to living out a sermon. It was in that moment I realized we need less people committed to preaching and more people committed to living out what they're speaking and reading. Here I am, a a preacher, communicating the gospel. And God probably put that guy intentionally in front of me for a reason. We won't always get it right, exchange. We won't always get it right, but thank God for his goodness and his grace. But when we look intently at the word of God, man, maybe it will lead you to that feeling of conviction that I felt on that day. I want you to know when you read the Word of God and you feel like, man, something's stirring up inside of you, it's not that he's condemning you. God didn't send his son to condemn you. If he did, he would have sent a condemner. God didn't send his son to judge you. If he did, he would have sent a judge. God sent his son to save you, so he sent a savior to save your soul. It's about a relationship with Jesus. It's about a relationship where you can walk with Jesus and You don't have to worry about your hangups, your hurts. You can cast it all on him. He's not there to condemn you. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter eight, it says, for there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit has given us life, has given us life. Not only life here on earth, but life for eternity. Life for eternity. See, if we wanna live a blessed life, a life of value, we've got to learn what it means to be doers of the word of God. So the question is this, how do we live a life that God has called us to? How do we live out what God has called us to? How do we live what we read? How do we not just be hearers but doers of the word of God? We build our lives on what we see in his word. And as I close, maybe you're sitting in this room right now and you're thinking, this message didn't do much for me. I already knew all this. This message doesn't really speak to me. Before you write off this sermon, I want you to ask yourself this question. If you were to follow you, would you be getting closer to Jesus? If you were following yourself, would you lead yourself closer to Jesus? Like be honest with yourself. I want you to be reminded there is no condemnation here. This is not a message to condemn you. This is a message to remind you and God's still working on me in this area but I want you to think just like James said look into this mirror don't just glance at the mirror look deep into the mirror and see does your life reflect he's talking about the mirror being the word of God he's using an analogy and he's saying when you read the word of God what does your life reflect does it reflect the things that you're reading about Does it reflect the things that you're hearing in these messages? Does it it reflect the sermons that you listen to throughout the week? When you look into the word, what are you seeing? When you look into the word, what is it reflecting? I thought it was so interesting because at this time, these Christians, these people, they, they didn't even have mirrors. Some of you girls are like, nah, I couldn't do it. I couldn't hang. See some of y'all like with the iPhone. Thank God for the selfie view where you can check yourself out and make sure you look good as you come in the door. They didn't have an iPhone. They didn't have mirrors. They didn't have any of that. They didn't have a clear image of themselves. But what they did have was the truth. And James is pointing them back to the truth. This message is to point you back to the truth of God's word. This message is about pointing you to the truth of Jesus, I wanna ask you this question. If you were to look at yourself in the mirror right now, would you say, your life reflects the life of someone who follows God's commands? Ask yourself this, does your life reflect the life of someone who is living out the good news? Would others say that your relationship with your boyfriend or your girlfriend reflects that of someone who is pursuing Jesus? Ask yourself the question, would your roommates say your life reflects that of a doer of God's word? with the people that you work with in your workspace that maybe don't even know you're a Christian, if they found out you were a believer, would they be shocked? Would they be surprised? Would they be blown away? Would they be in denial? Would your friends probably deny that, oh, he's not a doer of the word. I see what he'd be doing. Would would your followers on Instagram, when they follow you, would it leave them more interested, interested in, in Jesus? Would your followers on Instagram say that your Instagram reflects that of a doer of God's word? Would your DMs reflect that of a person pursuing Jesus? Would your search history reflect that of a person who is pursuing Jesus? I want to say it again. This isn't a message to condemn you. This is a message in hopes that you would find freedom in Jesus. Because that's the truth of his word. It's not to condemn you, it's not to set you back, it's not to shame you, it's to shape you into all who God has created you to be. So being a doer means we follow God's commands. Being a doer means we live out the good news. I think in a room this size, I think it's important. When we touch on topics like this, we create an opportunity, we create a space where we can just pause and acknowledge that some of us in this room maybe need to just recommit our lives to Jesus. Some of us in this room maybe are understanding the gospel for the first time and realizing that story is all about you and he wants a relationship with you. The Bible tells us, for all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse nine, that if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that you will be saved. Right now, every head bowed, every eye closed in this room. Maybe you're sitting here in this space and you're saying this gospel, this story, this story is all about me. And I need to take this step. Maybe you have been walking with Jesus in the past, but you want to just start new. The Bible said the old has gone, the new has come. You are a new creation in Christ Jesus. I want to give you an opportunity right now to accept that truth in your life. Every head bowed and every eye closed, nobody looking. If that's you and you're saying, I, I just I need that relationship, With Jesus, I want you to just quickly slip your hand up. You don't need to be embarrassed. Hands going up all across this room right now. Maybe you're here in this space and you're saying, I I need to take this step and recommit my life to Jesus. I want you to raise your hand as well. This is a safe place. Nobody looking. There's hands going up all across this room. You can go ahead and put your hand down right now. And right now in this moment, I'm going to say a prayer, and I'm just going to ask you to repeat after me. I want to be very clear, but you're not praying. You're not calling out to me. I'm a man. I can't save you. You're talking. You're having a conversation with your father, and he hears you, and he knows you, and he's willing to start new with you. So go ahead and repeat this prayer amongst yourselves. Heavenly Father, here I am today. I thank you, Lord, for sending your son to die on a cross for me. Lord, I know I'm a sinner, Lord, but I know that you love me. Help me, Lord, to live a life that's pleasing to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, and everybody said, come on, so many people just gave their life to Jesus. Come on, can we celebrate the decision they made?